Two sisters lived on separate sides of the states. One in NYC and the other LA. They both moved to Chicago and decided to stay. Now here's their playful podcast packed with Kid Lit Parlay. Children's books. Are they really that great? Talking children's books is with Kate and Fuse 8. Children's books. Why, what, and how? Fuse 8 and Kate will break it down for you now. So, Kate. Yeah. You know what I've noticed? What? In this crazy mixed up world in which we live, where sometimes it can feel like black is white and night is day and where we might stop and wonder if only for a second whether or not it's all worth it, into a day like that I'm gonna drop you some knowledge that's gonna make you and all the listeners out there feel a bit better. Are you ready for this? Uh, Are you ready for this? Sure. Okay, here it goes. Giraffes have no vocal cords. What? Not at all! So they don't make a noise? They make no sound. Huh. Yeah. So if the song were, what does the giraffe say? What does the giraffe say? <laughs> <laughs> that would be a That would not be a song. hit song. Yeah. It's not a hit song. Yeah. All right. You got a random piece of knowledge for me, or is it, is it, am I the only one well, coming to the table with it? Because you, you kind of dropped some last episode. So I had I like figured... three last episode. Three? Yeah, I had the koala That I remember. The wombat knowledge, which you already knew. I already knew that. And the uh, the badger knowledge. What was the badger knowledge? All badgers are born in February. Okay, that's right. You did say that, and yeah. somehow I forgot it entirely. All right, fair play. Uh, uh, quick question for you. Uh, who, who are we? Uh... Sisters. Yeah. Sisters. There was a devoted sisters. There's the word sister in there. I know that. Yeah. And I know the tune. Oh my gosh. I'm going to keep my eye on her. Her. There you go. That's it. Yes, we are sisters. And you are Kate. <laughs> yes. And I am Betsy. And we have a podcast. Yep. In which we read. Do we read great works of, of, uh, of adult literature? Uh, you know, I, I would say it depends on the book. Oh. I suppose that's true. Yeah. Yeah. But these are smaller people we read the books of, I would say. Yeah. Shorter. The wee little ones. The wee, the wee tykes. The wee little humans. The little droolers. <laughs> yeah. We read the picture books. Yeah. We read them for the little kids. We don't read them for them. No. We read, we read them for ourselves, yeah. quite frankly. Yeah. But in, in sort of a scientific thing trying to figure out, are these classics that everyone seems to know, are they any good? Yeah. And I think we've we've come to some very fine assessments. Sometimes. Over our, our past, uh, yeah, sometimes. And sometimes we've come up with crummy assessments. So feel free to tell us which one this is, folks. Uh, you can just email us at fusekate8 at gmail.com. We'll be, we'll be more than happy to listen to you. Now, um, we've Thanksgiving's gone. It's in the past. We did that. We did Thanksgiving. But it occurs to me that if we're talking food... You know, we did Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs. That was very foodie. You're, you're looking really worried right now. But yeah. I, I assure you, this is going to a happy place. Uh -huh. um, if we're talking food, there's one book that comes to my mind. Actually, there's three. But this one is the one that comes <laughs> to my mind, like, really wide up. It's like skimming on the top there. Mm -hmm. One book to rule all the foodie picture books out there. Above and beyond them all. I'm going to pull it out of my bag. You ready for this? Uh-huh. All right. Get some drum rolling. Nope, it's not that one. There it is. Oh, Stargonona. By? Uh, Tommy Deep. 
Paula, but sure, yeah, <laughs> Tommy DePaula, Strega Known. Have you read this one? Uh, I remember seeing a VHS <gasps> tape of it. You remember the Weston Woods video, yes, which is highly recommended, people. If you ever want to see a version of this, the Weston Woods version has the best soundtrack of any version that I know of. Yes, Strega Known, which somehow has managed not to be turned into a full length feature film yet. But uh, yes, you're going to you're going to read this puppy. You have a vague sense of of what it may be about, but uh, but you're gonna you're gonna get a better, a finer sense, a better vaguer sense, a, a, a <laughs> intenser sense or sense right. that didn't go right. Okay, go read the book. Okay, okay. All right, everybody. Uh, we're gonna go through the quiz question once again. As you recall, I ask you a question pretty much every podcast, and then I say if you want to write in with the answer, you can. No one does. It's sort of a, it's sort of a, uh, it's a fun game we play. I, I I dangle the carrot, and you ignore it. But this week we actually had someone uh, come in and answer our quiz question. Um, they had an answer. It wasn't the one I was going for. Uh, it came from Susan, last name withheld. It's my mom. Uh, who said that the next important win that came after... See, remember I asked, like, what was an important um, historical moment after the win of uh, Why Mosquitoes Buzz in People's Ears? And she said the next important win was uh, when a visit to William Blake's Inn uh, won both the Newbery and the Caldecott Award. Uh, she wrote Nancy Willard, who wrote the book, A, William, a Visit to William Blake's Inn, uh, has a nice piece on the Dillons, including a memory of their goose, Black Murdoch, stomping off down the highway. I am loving the fact, uh, that their goose was named Black Murdoch, by the way. That is amazing. I would name a goose that. Um, she also mentions that as Kalamazoo girls, Kate and I failed to mention that Verna Ardema, the writer behind Why Mosquitoes Buzz in People's Ears, uh, has Michigan roots. Uh, she says we lose one mitten for that. No, I knew that! I knew that, but if it ain't Kalamazoo, it ain't pertinent to the discussion. So saith the bird on the matter. Okay. Anyway, the event that I was myself referring to was the fact that after the Dillons won for Why Mosquitoes Buzz in People's Ears, uh, they proceeded to win the Caldecott Award the second year in a row. This had not actually happened before for Ashanti to Zulu. So well played there. Okay. For the next quiz question, try this on for size. How many books? Not adaptations, not like a book-to-board book or anything like that, but how many, like, proper books has Big Anthony appeared in? Not Stregonona. Big Anthony. And we're back. Hey. Hey. How's, uh, how's the reading? Um. You been doing some? Yeah. Yeah. It so. was... Bona viciado. Grazie, mi amore. Oh, you're going to regret this. Yeah. You're going to regret this. You know, know why? Why? Because I'm going to need a little description of this. And, you know, there was a time in our nation's history when it was considered offensive to do, like, an Italian accent. Mm -hmm. But that time has passed. And I'm talking Mario and Luigi, baby. I want you to describe this book. <laughs> oh, boy. Boy, oh, boy. Pepperoni pizza. That's what I'm talking about. Uh, Strega Nona is a witch who helps her fellow villagers with their troubles. But since she is getting old, she employs the assistance of a young man named Big Anthony to help her with her chores. One day he observes her singing a spell to a magic pasta pot to produce large amounts of cooked pasta. 
Unfortunately, he fails to notice that she blows kisses to the pot three times to stop at the pasta production. One day, when Strega Nona leaves her house to visit a friend far away, Big Anthony decides to use the magic pasta pot to feed the villagers. Unfortunately, a great food of pasta begins to overflow the entire town because a Big Anthony doesn't know how to stop the pot. Upon Stregonona's arrival, she blows a tray kisses to save the town. For punishment, Stregonona hands a fork to Big Anthony and commands him to eat all of the pasta. So, uh, what'd you think? Uh, so I remembered, um, that there was pasta involved, but I didn't remember anything else about the story. Really? I wondered, like, what just moments would have stood out. I just remembered there was pasta. There is pasta. That's you weren't the... wrong. Yeah, I didn't remember anything else. Yeah. Presumably homemade pasta, though we have no, we have no in sort of instant pasta. Ah! Ah! Okay. Okay, All moving right. on. Uh, yeah, thoughts. Right. Thoughts. Thoughts on the matter. So why is this kid called Big Anthony? Because he's very tall. Look at him. He's towering over Stregonona. Well, she's a witch. Of course she's going to be like four foot nothing. Okay, well, imagine he comes from like a family of like ten kids. We don't know what kind of family. In this book, I know that there have been books about his life. I will admit I haven't read them. But uh, let's imagine he comes from a family of like 10 kids. You know, maybe he was the tallest one and maybe they were all named Anthony and they had to be distinguished in different ways. Big Anthony, little Anthony, fat Anthony, <laughs> skinny Anthony. I just thought it was strange that he's called Big Anthony. I think he's and they tallish. Don't, and they don't really explain why he's called Big Anthony. It's just Not that's this his book, name. but um, if I'm going to be fair, I should mention he is, let's see, what's the name of his book? He is in a book. Um, called Big Anthony, His Story. And uh, it is described as, tells of his life since childhood and how his family noticed that Big Anthony simply does not pay attention. So, okay, so we have to read another book to find out why um, his name is Big Anthony. Well, it doesn't actually, probably doesn't explain how it gets his name. That is not, no, we know how he doesn't pay attention. Presumably a childhood trauma, I'm just going to say. Well, the Must page be. that we meet Big Anthony mm -hmm. is... At the top of the page it says, and Big Anthony, who didn't pay attention, went to see her. That really is the first thing you know about him, aside from the fact that he's big. Right. And named Anthony. So why did he go to see her if he didn't notice the, the posting that she put up in the town square saying that she needed help? Oh, I think he notices things that he wants to notice. I think when it comes to instructions, he's not so hot on the whole paying attention bit. That's, that's how I took that to be. Oh, I took it to mean he didn't pay attention to her putting anything up in... No, 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 no. I think because that's where she's giving him the instructions on yeah, what, to, what do, to do, which he does do, yeah. actually. So it's like, it's. I guess it's prepping you like, remember, folks, he's going to be paying attention, not failing to pay attention at some point here, though I, apparently not this big. I think he just went there for an, for another reason that we oh. don't know about. I think he went there with his own wish, you know, how people come to see her to remove a ward or get a husband. He's pretty wart-free. I think he went there for his own reason, but then she thought, oh, he's coming here because I put oh. up the sign. I'm going to put him straight to work, and then he just doesn't He seems her. to have the attention span of a hummingbird, so yeah, he probably completely forgot why he went there in the first place. Though he is holding a notice in his hand, which may be the notice oh, she put yeah. up. So, oh, that's true. Which would remind there him. There goes my theory. Yeah, sorry. Just had to shoot a little... Shoot a little hole in that one. It's fine. Right to the heart. It's fine. Right to the heart. I think if there was a, a sequel to this ding, book, ding. it would be called Strega Amelia. 
Um, actually, <laughs> so there is another sequel to this book, um, and it is called Strega Nona Meets Her Match. Her friend Strega Amelia sets up a modern cure shop, which competes with Strega Nona's cure shop. So, yes, actually, Strega Amelia does show up in a sequel of this okay. book. He really, there's a lot of sequels to this book, and, uh, and that's one of them. Oh, and you, I think you do learn about her, too, in Strigonona, her story, possibly. But How many Strigononas are there? There's a ton of them! Let me count. Uh, well, there's a ton. Actually, that was my quiz question. No, my question was how many was Big Anthony in. Okay, here's how many we are. 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11. There are 11 Strigonona books, uh, uh, sequels, I would say. Wow. There's a lot of text here that we need to unpack. This and, Tommy uh, guy, he, like, went with the theme and ran with it. Yeah, well, it's his most successful book in a lot of ways, I'd say. Uh, note shiny sticker on cover of book. Right. Yeah. I like I like how, uh, you know, Big Anthony comes into the town square and he's like, grab your forks, forks and your plates and your bowls and have pasta over at Strigonona's house. Mm -hmm. And then it says, of course everyone laughed. But then ran home to get forks and plates and platters and bowls. Hey man, there was there was a possibility of food, but I do love that. I love that they were like, "Oh, what a <laughs> what an idiot! Where's my bowl? Where's my bowl? My yeah. gosh!" Just like, fork around I somewhere. Just, I just grabbed them. I just anything. But you gotta think. There's no sauce. There's no other it's ingredients. It's got really good pasta. Because it says they go back for seconds, right? Well, if they're starving, of course they would go back. Well, I don't know if they're starving. I mean, if they were starving, wouldn't they be really mad that she's withheld this free food for them for so long? They I don't know. She's a witch. Yeah, that's true. That's you true. You get mad at a witch, yeah. bad things will happen to you. That's true. Well, they're ready to string him up, like literally, at some point. But yeah, true. But it doesn't behoove one to get mad at the I just think that witch. this pasta might be kind of gross. Because there's no sauce, no other ingredients. It's literally just But it's handmade pasta. pasta you we know, don't know like... if it's handmade. It's magic made. Okay, but maybe it's magical hands. Maybe not. I don't know. I've, I've always assumed I mean, it is... was like the most delicious pasta. I mean, is there like magical oregano in it? Is maybe there magical there's magical rosemary? salt or something. Yeah, something. Yeah, true. Um, we don't know. I love the rabbit and the peacock are in a lot of these drawings. Yes. Also, the peacock seems to know how to fly with that huge tail. I'm like, yep. well played, peacock. Tiny little wings. Not entirely Big certain. That's tail. true. Uh, do we? Do you ever look up in the sky and see a flock of peacocks just sort of soaring by? Well, I don't. But... Do you see a pot of magical pasta coming out of a house? Not today. Well, there you go. And now the rabbit is on top of the roof. Yeah, well, it's the smart rabbit. Yeah. Because the little creatures are the first that are going to go. Yeah. Poor little things. I know. But it seems to be okay. It's actually very intelligent to go on top of the house. That seems to be the one safe space in the entire town, actually. Yeah. Well, so, okay. So the pasta takes over the town. Stregonona yeah. comes and saves the day. And then she does something that I think is a big no-no. She takes a pregnant woman's fork. Oh, she does. Yeah, you don't touch a pregnant no, woman's no, anything. No, 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 <laughs> That's an excellent... No one has ever pointed this out before. You're right. Give me that fork, pregnant lady. Like, she, she seems okay. She's okay with it, I she think. she can't get mad at a witch. Because <laughs> the witch might do something to her baby. So she's like, okay, here, you can have my fork. Sure, okay. It's my one fork, but sure, you can have it. <laughs> Oh, it's going to go in the mouth of that guy? Great. Yeah. Great. Wonderful. So yeah. I think that was a bad idea, but yeah. she's a witch, so she can get away with she it. She can get away with a lot, actually. 
Okay. Like, no one gets mad at her for the pasta situation. It was her pot. Yeah. Yeah. And then, okay, and I have two other things. All right. One, I think the priest and the nuns going to the witch is weird. Isn't that strange? And yet it felt weirdly, like, accurate to me. I don't know why, but if this is a small, small town, I know that in small towns, superstitions, like, pagan superstitions would have lasted with the townsfolk for a long time. And then, you know, Christianity comes in. But that they sort of, in small towns anyway, kind of coexisted side by side more easily than in large cities. So I have this whole, like, theory about the fact that, like, this is, like, some, like, situation where, yeah, the Christians and the pagans are all in the sort of same area and they sort of get along. It's okay. It's kind of utopian, really, when you think about it. Yeah, I just... I yeah, but it is weird. Like, yeah. Hmm. Like, usually... See how they're cool with that. All right. They're down with it. You don't think it. that pasta coming out of a magical pot is the work of the devil. Okay. No, no. Apparently not. the time period of when this is, though, based on their mm-hmm. attire, I mean, what, the Renaissance period? Yeah. So... To a certain extent. Maybe they think she's a saint. Maybe they don't think she's a witch. Maybe they have ascribed her uh, sainthood without her knowledge. No, because... I know. They call her grandmother witch to her face, but... Yeah. Maybe that's just a humor. <laughs> She's actually Santa. And then the other Nona. thing... Right, Strega. Right. Santa Strega? Would that be? No, Grandmother Witch, so... Right. So there, we don't know what her name is. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, and then the other thing I was trying to figure out, if there's a uh, correlation between when Big Anthony wears his hat and when he doesn't. Okay, that is fascinating. Because when he first... When we first meet him, he's not wearing his hat, right? Because he wants to... Well, he's, he's showing respect, right? right? He's removed it inside a house. Right. And then the next That's time... That's the last time he ever does that. The next time it, that he takes it off again is when he's with the pot. And he's doing the the incantation. Right. And then the huh. last time he takes off the hat is... Well, he doesn't take it off. The pasta knocks it off his head. Huh. When, uh, when it right. bubbles over. And then it's off the rest of the time. To so, be fair, he looks better without his hat, but... So I'm just trying to figure out, is there a correlation between him not wearing his hat? Is that like, <laughs> is that when he just feels dumb is when he takes when off he his does hat? It, does he do the stupidest things when he's not wearing his hat? Not necessarily. I mean, I actually think getting hired by Sergonona was a good move on his part. She's a pretty easy employer. I mean, is it when he feels humbled? Is that when he doesn't wear the hat? Yeah, but I don't know because... I don't think so, because that hat is off when he is doing the spell correctly. Right, but, I mean, to show respect to the pot. Oh, maybe. Maybe, yeah. And show respect maybe to the magic. Is, that yeah, by extension, Trigonona herself. That's possible. Yeah. He certainly isn't in a rush to put the hat back on after the pasta's knocked it off. Is he wearing the hat in the very last scene? He's not, is he? Like, when he's sitting there with his distended belly. No. See, he's, he's, he's humble. He's a hatless man. Yeah. yeah. With that I one mean, strand of spaghetti. And I'm just wondering to myself, like, she's asleep happy in her bed. And I can't help but think of her, like, waking up and leaning out the window being like, You got one more strand, Anthony. One more to go. Chomp, chomp. I mean, he ate miles. It's waffer at the end. Miles. He did. I'm very impressed with his eating bland, abilities. bland pasta. And there's a lot of it there. Yeah. I have to suspect that maybe he just did a path. To her home. Well, yeah, because you can see there's some. Yeah, there's back still here, some back but... there. Yeah, so she just wants to sleep in her little bed that night. <laughs> you know she could get rid of all this with like a little. Oh, flick she of a so rest. could. And look at that like <laughs> smug little smile on her face while he's like about to. And you know he keeps it down. Fair play to Anthony. Well, we 
we can only assume he keeps it down. Yeah, okay, that's true. He we don't see be, anything like, after that last side, picture. Yeah. And then, you know, binging and purging this entire time. Oh my time. god, this is like the worst, but the worst the visual the image. is yeah. really, don't steal a pregnant woman's fork. Okay, is that the, is, really, that's your takeaway? Yep. That's your takeaway from this entire book. Yep. <laughs> Alright, folks. You heard it here first. Alright. And I've never even been pregnant. I I said, well, I'm not disagreeing. I have been pregnant, and uh, that is correct. <laughs> don't be doing that. Uh, the book came out in 1975, won the 1976 uh, Caldecott. Well, I'll play there. Wait, wait, wait. Oh, honor. Last book. They, guess what it got beat by, because this is just an honor. Ah, uh, okay. Guess what it got beat by. Oh, why do mosquitoes buzz in people's ears? Yeah. So I was looking before, and I was like, what could that, like, what were the other contenders that year? Oh, and that's a, that would have been a tough year to decide between those two books, because I love this book, too. I think they made the right choice. Yeah. Um, oh, definitely. These, this one is better remembered. It hit number 34 on my uh, my picture book poll hmm. of my readers. And 34 is pretty high. Yeah. Um, I, have a, I have a personal story I would like to relate uh, about this book mm-hmm. from when I was a children's librarian uh, at New York Public Library. I was sitting at the reference desk, and this small, gosh, he must have been about three, this three-year-old boy comes up to the desk, and he says... He wants, he wants this book, and his, I, as far as I could tell, his parent had no idea what he was talking about, or they would have told me. I pray they would have told me. He goes up, he's like, I want the book about the lady in the white hat. She's not a pilgrim, because apparently, like, every <laughs> adult he spoke to had said it was a pilgrim, and there's a baker and little baby Jesus. And I was like, I have no idea, but... The white hat kind of, like, rang a bell. So I asked him, is there anything else that you can remember about it? And he said, well, there was a pasta pot. And I was like, Stregonona! Because, uh, like I like to say, uh, helping kids out uh, when it comes to the reference desk is not a science. It is an art. And I don't Clearly think a robot would be able to, like, if you put in... Baby Jesus, white hat, you know, mm-hmm. would come up with, and well, maybe if you put in pasta. Probably still come up with pilgrims, quite frankly. Yeah. yeah. Children's oh, yeah it'd book. probably be about like the first Thanksgiving. Yeah. yeah. She's not <laughs> even wearing a hat, by the way. She's wearing no, a, uh, that's a, a headkerchief, yeah. I'll say. She's like a, that's like a babushka. She's a babushka. Yeah. But Italian. <laughs> yeah. An Italian babushka. <laughs> and yes, Tommy DePaolo has done books about babushkas. So huh. there you go. Um, I'm sad to report that, uh, our beloved children's books made horrific did not, in fact, do this book. Um, they have never done it. Uh, there is no version of it out there. You could totally make this creepy. It's not that hard. How would you make it creepy? You would have the pot have a mind, or, yeah, the pot would have a mind of its own. Sentient pot? Yeah, and like then it. the like pasta it. would come out at night while mm. Stregonon is sleeping, okay. and then it would creep into town, uh-huh. and it would put on one-man shows, because it always <laughs> wants to be an entertainer, <laughs> and it never gets the chance. Did not see that version coming. That was a left field. Or if you want to make it horrific, it kills all the children at night, and then creeps right, back right, into right. the pot. Yeah. Well, that's right. All the bad little children. <laughs> right. Right. That's much better. Bad little children <laughs> like the one reading this book. What? Like the one reading this book. Oh. Uh, yes, no, that version does not exist. But if you want to create it yourself, uh, go right for it, buddy. Um, no, but there What's is... What's the deal with sauce? <laughs> eh? <laughs> no? Uh, okay. Yeah, I think you've just determined the next way I'm going to have you read a book <laughs> description. So, well done, you. 
All right, right. there is a bottom shelf uh, books piece by Min Lee. I am happy to report. It's a weird one, and I need to preface it a little bit. Uh, Folks, what we are about to read, Kate and I, uh, this is not real. None of this is real. This did not actually happen. I'm telling you this because Min Lee is very, very convincing in this description. So he uh, put a false description of a play version of Stregonona. Uh, Kate and I will read it for you right now. In the mid-80s, a community theater in Woodstock, Vermont, gained national attention for their politically charged interpretation of DePaulo's story. Critics flocked to this tiny hippie hamlet to see the play, which had reimagined the story as a parable about the prevalent economic policy of the times, Reaganomics. The play was called Stregonomics. In the play, the director compares Big Anthony's short-sighted attempt to wield the power of the magic pot to the conservative party's unwavering belief in the power of the free market. In a particularly brutal pun, the directors replaced trickle-down economics with boil-over kitchenomics. There's a reason you've never heard of this play. Just as the pasta pot dangerously boils over, the U.S. economy eventually spins out of control. The economy takes on a life of its own and ushers in an era of unparalleled economic stratification. People always seem to overlook the fact that the market does not have a moral compass built in. Therefore, it should not be relied upon to magically set our social guidelines. The market must be regulated to some extent in order for it to reflect the morals of our society. In this case, The Three Kisses represents the compassionate restraint imposed by socially conscious regulatory policies. Just like magic, capitalism isn't inherently evil, as some zealots will tell you, but it's not inherently good either, and therefore its power must be wielded with wisdom and restraint, two qualities of which many politicians on both sides of the aisle are notoriously lacking. It goes on, and I will put in the show notes a link to the full piece, but I should mention the part where he says that... The play casts Stregonona as an exalted FDR figure, and her magic of containment is meant to represent the wisdom of the New Deal. However, just as the egalitarian principles behind the New Deal seem like a distant memory, Stregonona's unique ability to put a lid on the magic pot is lost forever, and it appears that the rising tide of pasta is irreversible. Dun dun dun. Dun 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 dun. <laughs> Thank you, Min Lee, for this interpretation. I should say it's not the only one out there. Uh, for example, uh, young adult author Jay Asher and his compatriots in crime, uh, Robin Mellum and Eve Perinchek, wrote The DePaulo Code, uh, which you can also look up if you care to do so. Okay. Yeah. All right. Ratings time. Hmm. Do I, am I going first? No, I'll go first. Okay. I'm feeling, I'm feeling this one. I'm feeling this one. I'm feeling... 8.2. That's pretty high. I'll yeah, grant you that. It's higher than what I would But say. you know why? It's, uh, there's something about this story that has lent it to the many, 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 many sequels. I, I just, I just really enjoy it. Now, I should say that my vote may be somewhat tampered by the fact that I've always had a thing for Big Anthony. I have. What? He's so cute. He's so dumb. Yeah, he's dumb as a stump, so I wouldn't date him, <laughs> but... He's adorable! He's so gangly. He's an idiot. He's an idiot. He's an idiot, and, yeah, uh, yeah it doesn't turn out so well for him, but no. I've always had a soft spot in my heart for, for Big Anthony. Good old Big Anthony. You lost me on that one. Okay, well, maybe I lost everybody on that one, but 
I, I, I would, I would keep with it. I, I love Big Anthony. I love the one where, uh, there's actually one where Big Anthony gets, I think, a magic ring and it turns him into, um, handsome Big Anthony. So much like on The Good Place where there's good Eleanor and bad Eleanor, uh, in this case there is handsome Big Anthony and Big Anthony. Aww. And, uh, yeah. He doesn't care for it, actually. All the ladies want a piece of him. It's, uh, I highly recommend it if, if anyone wants to read that one. It's a good one. But, uh, yeah, so uh, what was what was your vote there, buddy? I would give it a seven. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's got great drawings. I remembered the uh, the video fondly. <laughs> um, I, I, I definitely think it's a classic, but I, I, I like other books more, so. That's fair. Yeah, that's fair. What did you give it again? Seven. Seven? Okay, that's fine. That's totally, totally legit. So it's a classic. It's a classic! Yay! Yay! Classic it he. Yay. All right, letters time. Oh. Oh, apparently if you mention the words koala chlamydia on a <laughs> podcast, people just can't help but write in. Oh, I should Let's begin say with uh, yeah, let's begin with Kirsten here. Um and the the subject of the email was in fact uh, koala chlamydia. <laughs> I can't tell you how many of those I got before this all happened. <laughs> so she writes, "Upon listening to your latest episode and hearing about koala chlamydia, I will never get tired of saying that. By the way, mm-hmm. my first thought was, quote, get just Keating on the phone. Uh, just Keating, I should interject here and say, is a great uh, nonfiction children's author." I have held a koala at the Sydney Zoo. Surely zookeepers wouldn't expose tourists to STDs. Upon further research at the BBC website, I discovered that Kate's facts are 100% correct. Though koalas often get a different strain of chlamydia than humans. Sorry, Betsy. I know your friends like to call out your mistakes all the time. I tried to prove Kate wrong, but as usual, your younger sis is spot on. Oh, thanks for the. You want to read that last part again? No, don't really want to. Because it sounded real good. I I think I've already burned that paper. <laughs> well, you know, I'm actually uh, going to Sydney in a couple weeks. Really? Uh, yeah, and one of so my. So you're just gonna walk around picking up any old koala? You I'm gonna see? try my best. Like, Is this one clipping on me? Like just squeeze okay. it a little. Actually, see no, what it does. I yeah. want to hold a quokka. I don't even know what a quokka is. Well, look it up. Q U O K K A, and you will not be disappointed. Okay, I just like the phrase carry, carry a quokka. Carry a quokka? <laughs> or do a quokka selfie? Quokka carrying? Yeah. Yeah. Could you get a, a, a quart of them? A quart of quokka? <laughs> I would love It'd be kind of quaint, wouldn't it? A quart of quaint quokka? Okay, all right, you're cut off now. <laughs> Moving on. Um, oh, and so this next one uh, came from uh, our listener, Stephanie. Uh, it was referring to our Why Mosquitoes Buzz in People's Ears episode. And she wrote in to say, in this podcast, Fuse 8, that's me, asks uh, about the mosquito's voice, which is awesome because before she even asked, I remember that for me, the mosquito in the book was always a Peter Lorre voice. Okay, I cannot stress how awesome that statement is because this is like, are they still looking for me? Like that would be like the kind of voice, like, you know, like Igor from the, from mm-hmm. the Frankenstein. Mm-hmm. I just love that interpretation I, especially at the beginning when, when they're talking about, like, someone digging up yams and all that stuff. I should also say that some people pointed out some inaccuracies in that book. So Iguanas are not West African. Oh. And, uh, something to do with the yams. I think the yams were not accurate in some way as well. I don't even remember yams. Yeah, it, well, remember, at the beginning, the lie that sets it all off is the 
uh, mosquito saying that a farmer had dug up a yam the size of the mosquito. Oh. And apparently this would not be the case. So, uh, eh. Naughty, naughty. Well, that's why it's a naughty, folk naughty. tale, right? It's... Grown up things we like. Oh, right. Grown up things we like. What do you like? Oh grown man! Up. All right. Yeah, so this was interesting. Oh, okay. Last Friday, mm-hmm. I went to a, I think they call it a freelance wrestling show. It was a bunch of amateur wrestlers doing like a WWE style thing, in uh. Like a, it was a theater that they then like transformed into. Like it had the giant ring in the middle and chairs all around, and but they they incorporated like bits of comedy in it. Um, like there was a space monkey because, and then he would like throw a banana peel and people would slip on it. You know, like you do. Like you do. And, except the problem was this was my first show, and the person that I went with uh, had gone. They do it once a month, and he had gone for the past three years. And he said that, you know, it's there's never been a problem. Within the first minute, someone got knocked out. Ooh. And they had to call paramedics. Oh! That was interesting. And oh, then you're like the, a magnet for those people. Yeah, I was like, is this uh, supposed to... Are, are the lights supposed to turn on and then everyone get really quiet and start praying? Is that normal? Because <laughs> <laughs> there, there's a priest and a rabbi. I don't know if this is like part of the... No. And then at the very end of the oh. show, said space monkey. Yeah. Uh, was, okay. Love the phrase, said space monkey. Yeah. Continue. Uh, jumped off the ring and did like this crazy flip and uh, his face landed on the concrete. And, uh, and they had to wrap his face up in t-shirts and carry him away for the next set of paramedics to come by. They are never letting you at this thing again. Yes. You're dead on uh, these people. I don't think I'm going to go back, yeah. but it was very entertaining. Yeah, keep us far. They're going to need to put a little barrier up. If yeah. Kate gets anywhere near this, like, barrier to push her away. Yeah, because, and every yeah. time someone accidentally got, like, knocked in the head or something, yeah. we were all like, <gasps> oh, they're okay. Okay, good. They're okay. <laughs> yeah, so that was uh, my, uh, that was my f- crazy adult thing. Mine's about cake. <laughs> Go on. <laughs> it's, um, it's a cookbook. Mm-hmm. I really like it. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's called Cake Magic. <laughs> so okay. it's not just cake. It's adorable cake. Um, it is basically a book that shows you that if you have a bunch of recipes for the cake, and then you have a bunch of recipes for icings, and you have a bunch of recipes for the syrup that you inject into said cake... And you mix, you can mix them up into all sorts of different combinations and make all different kinds of cakes. It's got three little ribbons, and they're different colors. Yes, I believe you, the, you got this for me for my birthday. I love this thing so yeah. much. I forget about it periodically, and then I need to make a cake, and then I bring it out, and it makes cake making so easy. It is my favorite thing. Uh, so, Cake Magic by Carolyn Wright, people. Highly recommended. Okay, which sounds more fun? Buying a book about cakes or wrestling. Uh, paramedics and blood and injured space monkeys. Okay, or, that does sound awesome right. as I'm saying it. Injured space monkeys. Right, and sometimes they'll, like, stop wrestling to do a conga line because that's what Aww. you do. Right? See, you, yeah, you hit me until all the blood, though. The blood. Yeah, apparently <laughs> that's, but that's not common. That's, but that's not, not common. Yeah. 
Because wrestling's fake, right? It's supposed to be fake. I mean, there were definitely times in which you were like, okay, that's totally fake. You know, they yeah. would, like, hit the side of their leg to make that what noise. What is the name? But... Do you know the name of this organization that you attended? It was just called Freelance Wrestling. Okay. Just Freelance right. Wrestling Chicago. So look it up, folks. Next time yeah. you're in Chicago and you think to yourself, I've got I'm, a couple hours I'm to kill. I'm sure that it's in multiple cities, though. I'm sure You know, find is. the closest yeah. freelance wrestling near you. Check them out. Support local performers. <laughs> and, uh... Give back to the community, you know? Stay in school, kids. <laughs> <laughs> Dare not to do drugs. Excellent. All right. I think we're done. Yeah. All right. I've been Betsy. I'm Kate. Bye. Fuse 8 and Kate is a Fuse number 8 production. You can reach us at FuseKate8 at gmail.com. You can follow Betsy on Twitter at Fuse8. That's Fuse and 8. E-I-G-H-T. Follow us on iTunes and rate our podcast if you're so inclined. Our music is by Haddon Gibbons Kime, and our cat behavior consultant is Drew Atienza. Views 8 and Kate is a creation of Kate Ramsey and Betsy Bird and does not reflect the views of School Library Journal. <laughs>